I am unashamed. What about you? So today, finally, um, I've got the green light to talk a, a little bit about uh, a couple of new format things we're going to be doing for Unashamed and also to uh, sort of do a proper farewell, Dad, to In the Woods with Phil. You can kind of tell because we've been talking about it as if it's in the past because it is. Uh, we haven't filmed any episodes for that since last year, back in November. But we did 800 episodes of In the Woods with Phil on Blaze TV over four years. Wow. So 200 episodes a year, which is pretty amazing. And uh, looking back over it, I mean, we've had a, several different crews, some that started with us that weren't there at the end, and we had some guys at the end. I just want to say to all our crew how great they did. Dad mentioned uh, before on the podcast that they said, and we said about them, we never had a had an issue or a crossword in four years on a production not, set. Not one. That's hard to do, Jason. I mean, we were on a, we had a show. You're doing a show. I mean, that's not easy to do that, but that, that was the relationship that we had. And dad, I thought was really interesting because it was a video blog, a vlog format, which I'd never heard of four years ago. And so I had to go and research what is a vlog. And so I started looking at other people that were doing it and it was eight to 12 minute episodes. So basically you in the woods. And sometimes it was you in the kitchen. Sometimes it was you in your chair but it was just centric on you living your life and kind of what you impart to people. But I know a lot of people love it. I know a lot of you have been asking about it. Is it coming back? You know, you know, what's the story with it? But the, that show has ended and, um, and it was great. We loved it. Uh, so what we're doing now for those of you subscribed and we want more of you to subscribe to blaze TV because they're the platform that allows us to do this podcast. And let me tell you something, these guys, in the world we're living in now with with YouTube, with Facebook, I mean, censorship is a real situation. Dad was censored twice on In the Woods for cleaning game. I mean, twice they were like, this is too graphic for viewers, you know, discretion advised. I was showing them how to pluck a duck, and they were saying you can't pluck a duck because that's violent. I said, well... <laughs> I said, there's a lot of chicken in the supermarkets and on every street corner. Chicken, 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 chicken. I said, somebody, you need to get the feathers off of them before you fry I don't, them. I don't remember seeing any chicken on Can't the aisle. fry them with the feathers on them. <laughs> I talked to the who's the old guy, the head of the, the deal, old, one, one of the guys you know, on Facebook. What's his name? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. I gave Zuckerberg about a 15-minute speech. And I'm, I sure, asked I'm him, sure he heard it. During my speech, I said things like, Zuckerberg, are you completely crazy? I said, you can't, you, you have to get the feathers off birds. There's millions of tons, <laughs> metric tons. Phil, I'm world. sure he well, what you first no, here's what, what you first told was to get out and get a little sun because he, he was yeah. looking a little uh, pasty. Phil, here, here's probably what happened. Stay in front of a computer for years and your, your skin color begins to evaporate. The One of the assistants at Facebook probably took a snapshot of you, a picture of you. And then put a caption, this guy called you crazy. <laughs> it, and it, it, probably, <laughs> it probably went around to all the Facebook employees. Yeah. <laughs> they probably had a big life. Yeah, they probably, probably did. Christmas cards, you know. Yeah. So here's, here's, what, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're super excited about this. Uh, we are going to have some content uh, for you to go uh, on to Blaze TV. And so I want to tell you how you can join uh, how you can subscribe. You go to blazetv.com slash unashamed 
And so until February the 7th, you can use the code MoreUnashamed. That's M-O-R-E Unashamed. You get $15 off your one-year subscription, oh, which is really cool. Uh, and we've got what now we're calling Unashamed Overtime. So at the end of every podcast that we're doing, we're going to have a bonus segment. We call, I call it Unashamed OT. We're going to have a little overtime. And we're going to put in another thought that, you know, because there's always stuff we could talk about and we have to stop because we're like, when we look at the clock, it's like, okay, the episode's over. But yeah. there's usually a little more in the tank. So we're going to provide that, and we're going to do it on this platform. So if you sign up for blazetv.com slash unashamed, and if you use this uh, until February 7th, you save 15 bucks off the subscription, you're going to be able to get that bonus. And so you go behind the uh, unashamed to be able to do that on Blaze TV. When are we starting that? We're starting this today. Oh, so okay. we got we got bonus coming today, Jace, at the end of this podcast. So mm-hmm. I'll mention it so again at the know, end. This this is the first time I've heard of this. It's news. It's well, news to you. Are you? Huh? It's news to you. It's news to me. Okay. Is it good news? I don't know. <laughs> You know, Dad, Dad, I don't know if you know this. On this, pod, on this podcast, your role is not really to do the mechanics. You're kind of like Duck Dynasty. You just show up with your Bible to I be I just filled. think it's up to the individual to, for him to decide whether it's worth hearing or not. That's exactly right. This is bonus material. This is bonus material. That's what I'm saying. It'll be up to the people who hear. There you go. If it's worth going to sign up, you'll sign up. But I think you'll enjoy it because it's going to be really good. But anyway, so proper farewell uh, to In the Woods. It was it was a lot of fun to do for four years. Now we're shifting gears into this podcast because, let's face it, this we're having a lot of impact in a lot of lives. And so we see that. We see a lot of you. A lot of you travel here. Uh, I, every Sunday I meet some of you, Unashamed Nation, who use it at church. I will so. say this. At no time during the four-year period with the 800 episodes, which is all new to me, did we say, let's do that again. Or why don't you say this time, not once did we ever say, uh, Phil, let's do this again. Let's let's go back over this point because you yeah yeah yeah. It it was just it was what it was. Well, I'll say this one shot deal. And, take uh, it or leave. Yeah, you were pretty and, good one take one. Four hundred plus podcasts. I don't think we've ever said, "Hey, let's stop and do that again." Well, that's right. <laughs> Not, that's right. Well, we kind of made it. I dec- agree. We kind of yeah. made a decision early on when the dogs were barking or the tree frogs are in the room or all the different things that we were going to give it to you as it happens. So if something crazy happens, if a wasp comes out of the ceiling, which Plus, is- we, we could be wrong on certain topics and all that. Well, it's fine with me for somebody to say, look, let me remind you, you missed this when you were wrong. I would say, yeah. Oh, no, trust me. You don't get the emails, Dad. There's a lot of people who disagree with different things we say, but that's okay because that's what discussing the Bible. You know, is all I don't about. have a, comp- a cell phone or anything. So right. I'm breaking not, news. I'm breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> I have probably been way off on a number of issues throughout the course of this event, and I'm not checking to see what they're saying. Right? That's my point. Well, we're laughing, but I mean, I'm trying to get it right. I have the spirit of God, but it. That's part of who we are. When you do a lot of talking, sometimes you just get it wrong. Well, the interesting thing about studying the Bible is that over the course of your life, you know, the Bible is truth. It's absolute truth. 
but we change and things in our mind. We get something in our mind that's so strong. And then later on, we go back to a text and say, you know what? I think I missed that. I think I missed that thought. You know, I tend to, I mean, look, we just read a verse where in first Corinthians, at some point we read it, and we'll read it again, where he was trying to get them to agree. Where was that at, Al? Off the top of your head. He said, I, I appeal. Oh, it's in it's, 10. It's One verse 10. 10. Yeah. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree with one another so that there be, may be no divisions among you. Now, you can take that and start straining that statement. Now, we know what his point was. They, what was their disagreement? Well, some of them were following whoever was baptizing them. Baptizing them. And, and, right. I mean, that was the context of this. Well, a lot of well, people, they made an issue out of the Apostle Paul saying, I don't remember uh, if I baptized anyone else when he talked about, I didn't come here to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And when he says, and McGuigan brought this up, he said, I don't remember if I baptized. They said, well, he couldn't have been speaking by the power of the Spirit because he, the Spirit would have made sure he remembered. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good point. That's a great yeah. point. But, but McGuigan's point was, it's not crucial. There's nothing crucial about it, this. Right. On whether he had the power to speak by the Spirit. If he said, look, you know, I don't know exactly. I don't remember. Well, they don't know. Some of them said, yeah, he's not a inspired man at all because he couldn't remember. Well, let's it. test it. You have the Holy Spirit of God. I have the Holy Spirit. How good's your memory? I don't know, but some things I have I've forgotten. <laughs> that's for sure. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what well, I was going to made the point, which was a good point. Well, I mean, the, the point is. I mean, some so, of them were demanding the people at Corinth were demanding you make a mistake with your dialogue and you're out. Yeah, but it's almost like it's like kind of like today with today's culture. Well, what are yeah, we but, agreeing but, on here? I mean, I'm agreeing that God is always right, that Jesus is Lord. I, I'm agreeing with that 100 percent. We have the Holy Spirit of God given by yep. God that's running this show. And I mean, me individually and my heart is right. I'm trying to pursue what is right and and do what God and, wants me to do. And in your life, go back. Can you remember everybody? And or right. ask me, can you but remember? No, just can you idea. remember everybody you baptized, Phil? I'm like, are you kidding? But look, I it's said, the idea of people grace. show up 20 years and they say, "Remember, man, you baptized me." I'm like, yeah. But what I loved about this statement, the way it's thrown in there, is it's just like any of us has that moment where somebody says, "Yeah, but what about?" It's like the remember and oh brother were out there when they baptized Delmer, and he said. I've been, all my sins are washed away. And yeah. even that bank I robbed in Yazoo City said, I thought you said you didn't rob that bank. He said, well, I lied, and I've been forgiven of that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just the idea of as we have an afterthought, like he's like, I'm glad I didn't baptize. Well, except for this one, that one. Oh, I know you're going to say this guy. Yeah, maybe him too. I mean, that's exactly, that's real life is what I like yeah, about exactly. it. It's but, authenticity. But, but too, when you're trying to communicate, look, I'm I'm friends with Mr. McGuigan. He's helped me, been one of my mentors. You know, he's one of the few scholars that, I mean, I stop and listen that when will he talk says to you. something. And uh, he sent me a message one time, and I couldn't even remember the conversation. But in a nice, loving way, he was like, Jace, you got, Galatians completely wrong. You butchered that. And then when he put down, you know, what I should have said, I was like, the fact that I agree with everything you're saying means 
either was I, I did a terrible job communicating or I just got off on something because I was like, I don't disagree with anything. Anything you're I'm on your team. <laughs> I'm with you, fella. Yeah. So but that just made me realize that sometimes it's an articulation problem. You know, we were doing that ad about uh, you know where Lisa's going to speak. Yep. On the on the forty days for life. A lot of times, it's not necessarily how we think or what we believe, but it's just the way we're going about articulating our position. That's right. And I get I think I get that wrong more than anything because it's just sometimes it's difficult with certain subjects. Yeah, but Greg was kind of saying that he thought, and I think he was right, that the Apostle Paul did not want to come in there and play like he's the big dog, the big know-it-all. He, he just he came with fear and trembling. He told yeah. them that. And then he then on the text about you know, I didn't I didn't, come re- with, I didn't remember. Yeah. And he said, I didn't come with eloquence or superior no. wisdom. Although he, he, he was he want, a very smart man. Yeah, yeah. He just wanted him to know he plays down his apostleship to right. some degree. But I, the last but, thing but, he wanted was somebody to say, I follow Paul instead of saying, I follow Christ. That's I mean, right. That's the ultimate. Would y'all want that? That's if right. somebody came to me and said, I just want you to know, Al, that I'm following you. I'd be yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, Only read, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. You know, we've is, read what it, the apostle Paul had to say in a lot of these epistles, and I can see how he would kind of watch, be careful about coming on too strong because, you know, you'll have a Paulite there. Right, he didn't want any Paulites. No, so or Cephasites. But don't you think this is the biggest problem with Bible study? Look, you got how many up to forty-one authors over a span of hundreds, not thousands Thousands, of years. Thousands of years. And so, as Christians, we take this big book that this is woven through history. So it's not like it's like any other book, and then we start doing verse by verse studies and people get so caught up in one verse at a time that the big picture gets muddled, gets lost. I mean, I sense that in his letter to the Corinthians, he was trying to get them back to the big picture. And we know that's true because when he gets to first Corinthians 15, he reminds them of the gospel. And he's like, I don't want to know nothing. I don't want to know anything, but Christ and him crucified. Well, if you just take that, on its own and say that people are like, well, there's way more to it than that. Yep. Well, it's not if you miss that. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have that down first, you'll miss the rest. Let's take a break. So after the recording of the podcast today, uh, I'm getting on a jet airplane, which I'm so excited about wearing a mask for six or eight hours today. Um, but I am excited about where I'm going. I'm heading to Washington, D.C. Uh, to watch my lovely bride, have the opportunity to speak to a million people over a million people at one time. I mean, all of us have spoken to a lot of people. I've never spoken to a million in one setting, but Lisa's going to get to do that, which is super exciting. And she's going to the March for life. And one of the groups that will be there is a group we've been talking about. Uh, and actually had them on the podcast recently is 40 days for life. They've written a new book. It's called what to say when the complete new guide to discussing abortion. Because what happens is, obviously, this is a very much debated topic in our culture about whether you're pro-life or what they call pro-choice or pro-abortion. And so these guys have come up with some good resources to help. They also have uh, a thousand uh, clinics in a thousand different cities where they help people, 65 countries now. Uh, He told us on the podcast the other day, someone in Japan 
has actually listens to the podcast and reached out about it. So it's really neat to see what they're doing. I want you to check them out. Uh, go to their website at 40daysforlife.com, the number 40daysforlife.com. And the book is called What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. You can also get them from Amazon, but check out their website and uh, get behind these guys. No, you're exactly right, Jason. A lot of that is style that is, that's been used to teach it and taking things out of context where you just go and cherry pick a verse over here and a verse over there and a verse over here. And then you say, well, mm-hmm. like, here's my point that I want to make. Now, I, I study all over the Bible when I'm teaching and preaching, but it's got to be within the context of what, what it was said then and what it says now. But we know? do it out given even lessons. We'll quote a verse to support a point that we came up, which is back to my point of, of getting it wrong sometimes in our articulation. And that verse that we say sounds good and sounds right in our point, but really it has nothing to do with whatever point we were making. It just kind of had a beginning, a middle, and an end that was a nice button. Right. You know? That's true. And so, now granted, you say, well, what are we supposed to do? The skeptic, they're always looking at like, you can only say everything within context. It, and, and it's so rigid that all of a sudden, they, I think they miss the relational aspect. And the fact, fact is that we're all human beings. We're fallible. So if that's a fundamental world truth, then by association, we're going to get some of the details wrong from right. time to time. And that I think that, that was his whole point is don't get hung up on those little issues right. and make it a deal breaker. And like that guy got that verse wrong. I'm leaving. I'm going across the river to uh, another church. Oh yeah. And then we go over there and it repeats itself. You and you spend your whole life going from one group to another and saying, nobody got it right. They well, part of that, <laughs> part of that's just growth too, Jay's because I mean, as a, as a student of the word and a presenter of the word, I've noticed myself as I've gotten older, I've moved away from topical teaching and preaching into just more textual stuff. Just take a book like we're doing this podcast and present the book because that way you get the understanding. I mean, like we spent the last few podcasts just getting off the ground here in first Corinthians, because obviously there's some specific messaging that Paul had for this group of mm-hmm. people. And so yeah. we're saying, how can that relate to us? I mean, which is the bottom line, which takes me into my sermon that I preached Sunday because what I see, the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians is him making a case that unity is possible, but only by a couple of means. Because he uses the word, Jace, you read it in 10. I mean, that's perfect that, unity. That is a world. I mean, if we could pull off unity, I mean, nothing is screaming in our culture more. Because I think both sides want, want it. Right. The Christian world and the world. There, There's a push for how can we be unified? So his, so his, what we've talked about so far in the first two, two chapters is what I call the first two power sources for unity. The first one was the message of the cross, which is salvation. That's where he starts in verse 18 of chapter 1. And the who's on the, the cross? cross? You just think, well, how does that unify humanity? Right. How does that unify our churches, and how should that unify humanity? And by the way, that was his message across all spectrums. All of his letters, he has that same theme in every one. And I just picked one for my sermon out of Colossians uh, 2, 
Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So there's the message of the cross. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Well, I'd like to throw in another one. When we studied John, remember when Jesus predicted his death in John 12, and without getting into the weeds of it all, when he said in 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. I mean, Jesus himself said, here's the unified draw. Right. This is going to draw all men to myself in some capacity. So the point is that you, you get distracted by whatever we talked about t- today. A lot of distractions people get into a lot of division and stuff like that, especially when you put someone or something above the message of the cross. I mean, that's what was happening with these people that they were following. I mean, Peter didn't want people saying they were a follower of him. Paul didn't want it. Apollos didn't want it. And yet people were doing it. So, I mean, obviously they're getting off. Their messaging was getting off, which is his first point. And then the second one in chapter two, which was where you talked about a couple of podcasts ago, Jay's, was the idea of the spirit of God. You got the message of the cross, then you got the spirit that now indwells us, which is transformational. One is salvation and one is transformation. And the, a text that really shows, again, that this is across all of his books is Romans 12, which you've quoted this before, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea of the second part of this power source, and that is that's the ongoing nature of transformation, which, you know, goes until you die. Which goes into the point we're saying about the longer we talk, the more chance we say something stupid. Yep. Because... Paul himself said in that 1 Corinthians 2, 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with this demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. So you remember that contrast we mentioned before when in Acts 2, the first sermon post Jesus's ascension and the Spirit is poured out and the miraculous happened with the crowd hearing their languages from people who hadn't studied their language. Right. And then Peter goes through in three minutes God's scheme of redemption in Jesus, and the same message Paul is saying, that he was crucified. It was impossible for his body to see decay. God has raised this Jesus, you know, whom you crucified, made him both Lord and Christ. So they say, what do we do? Repent and be baptized. You know, you you receive God's spirit. Well, then that next phrase, it says, with many other words, he warned and persuaded them, which seems to be in contrast to what Paul is saying, because he says, my words were not with wise and persuasive words, right. but with a demonstration of the spirit's power. So you say, well, is there a contrast? No, 
because it was ultimately what Paul and Peter had in common was it was about the word, yep. John 1, 1. That's right. And not his words about the word. Correct. And that's what that transformation does. It's it's the heart that has been pricked on who Jesus is, God calling them through Jesus. They respond. They receive the Spirit. And then it is ultimately about who Jesus is, the Word. And even if we screw it up along the way on the details, the Spirit is communicating that power, and then transformation happens. And they're one. You said this before on a podcast, Jason. In 2.10 it says, but God is revealed by the Spirit. And then at the end of verse 16 he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Showing you that when you have the Spirit of God and it's transforming your life, that is the mind of Christ himself living out in the Holy Spirit. So, it, which makes perfect sense when we study John. Remember when he told the apostles, the disciples, John 14 through 16, he said, look, unless I leave, the counselor can't come because he's going to be right. He's going to be in you. Mm-hmm. And so that's like they were near Jesus, but he said, I'm going to be in your mind yeah. and working. And so that's the power. And of what helps is looking at what Jesus did. I brought this up before his life him representing the father in his daily life. When you tap into that in your mind, that will transform not what you do on Sundays, but your everyday life trying to have the mind of Christ on a daily basis. You have different conversations. You go different places. Your friendships all of a sudden change. I mean, the basis of them because you're having spiritual conversations, but you're also doing it in a way like Paul did to the Corinthians. He was coming in humility, admitting his weaknesses, his his uh, his challenges. And I think that's what gets us because we think, well, we can't go out there and share Jesus to the world because we have all this baggage and we make mistakes. And, you know, if I did that every time I said something stupid on a podcast, well, I'd just go home and curl up in the fetal position. You know, I mean, you're going to say stupid things. You're going to do stupid things. And God's forgiveness and his grace and his fuel through the spirit uses us despite our mistakes, our weaknesses. In fact, he even takes some of our weaknesses. I mean, I've said this many times that I always had a problem with just being shy. And, uh, and really the verse that, uh, kind of transformed me there is revelation 21, eight, which people use it about don't be a liar because liars go to hell. They have that little <laughs> jingle. All right, so let's take another break. So one of the things we figured out is hard to find companies that really share values that are also your sponsors. But we uh, hit the jackpot with Good Ranchers because uh, not only are they a great company, uh, really supportive of American beef, American ranchers, uh, but also they're our kind of guys. Uh, I call it Jesus beef because they all have a background in ministry. Uh, then they got into the meat business. What I didn't know, Dad, that 85% of grass-fed beef that you see in stores and online is imported from overseas. It'll say that it's made in the USA, but it's not. It's just processed here. So you may be getting cheap foreign beef, not even know it. So that's why we want you to order from these guys, good ranchers, your T-bones, your ribeyes, your fillets, the mouth-watering burgers, all good stuff. Great company. A big supporter of our podcast, which we love. Here's what you do. Go to goodranchers.com slash fill and use the code fill at checkout to get 20% off 
free shipping and taste the difference of Good Ranchers. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Phil. Save $20 off free shipping and enjoy the beef or the chicken. But you know, the first Revelation, the first category Revelation. mentioned, which is really the only time I think it's in the Bible, but it says the cowardly and the vile and the unbelieving and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And I, I just remember reading that thinking, I, how am I going to have the mind of Christ and be a coward right. about my faith? on an everyday basis. I'm Good not going to be able to do that. Good point. Because I was just the first couple of years of my Christian faith. I mean, I was young, granted, but I just was trying to keep my mouth shut and, and just not do wrong. Right. But it hit me one day that I thought, I'm being a coward for Jesus. Yeah. That's not going to work. No, it's not and good. so I got to bring my weaknesses and my mistakes. And despite all that, and people say, well, you're a hypocrite. And so, yep, I've probably had hypocritical moments. Cause that's usually the number one defense. When you start challenging someone's life about Jesus, they're like, well, you're a hypocrite. You're telling me you never sin. I mean, how many times have people use that? And I was like, yep, you're right. And by the grace of God, he's using me anyway. What's that's it got to do with what you're doing right now? Plus sometimes I know it sounds kind of strange at first, but at sometimes I've learned the hard way that it's sometimes you just remain silent. Just remain silent because watch. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. You say, you would have to learn before it breaks out and tell, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone able to teach, not resentful, those who oppose him, and it took a while to learn this one, he must gently instruct. <laughs> you, you see my point? Uh -huh. Sometimes, you know, I mean, yeah. I learned the hard way. I said, you know, sometimes you just just, just be quiet. Then you know, let the guy, he's all fired up about something, you know, maybe off base, but you say, and I just got to be, be, be kind to this guy and just be patient and not try to jam it down him to get him all turned around here in and, and, and one minute. Uh, he must gently instruct in the hope, and your underlying reason is a beautiful thing, that God will grant them repentance because we can't make them repent. Right. We, 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 you give them the words of the Spirit, which is a powerful thing, but it is God who grants them repentance leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that so that that they will come to their senses, that has to be on them, and escape from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. So it's a lot of... Excellent. You, you got I mean, the spirit there. You say you're going to need him yep. because you're wrestling against the evil one who overpowers people and just, well, you see the results. You, well, you that, see what I'm saying? That, so that restore him gently. Sometimes just hollering alone is not going not going to do it. But you think about it. Transformation is all about the spirit. But the the number one thing which he's gonna he wrote a whole chapter on it, First Corinthians thirteen, on how you deal with people is love. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the benefits we're getting from the transformation and and the fuel. You may get it wrong a lot of times, but it's hard to get love wrong. If you just love someone and say, I'm going to be patient, Yep. I'm going to trust this situation, I'm going to protect, I'm not going to get easily angered, 
I'm not going to be rude. Somebody's, I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs. Well, this is First Corinthians. And 13. somebody's wrong, but you're not going to say, "Okay, this is one. This one strike against him. I got one strike against him. Let me listen to him yeah. talk more." Yeah, let but me write this down. To build, Phil, if you're uh, if you're trying to build you up. Uh, uh, a stack of where he's going wrong, you just it's not wise. Well, try that in marriage. Just every time you know your your yeah. wife messes up, just make a list. If she ever finds that list, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you made a list? Well, let me make a list. Last time yeah. I checked in there, it doesn't say love kept a very poignant, significant record of wrongs. <laughs> Miss Kay's got a pretty Miss Kay's got a pretty good handle on it. She'll leave me a note on the side of my chair, you know. She said, You make me complete the other day. Let's say you make me feel complete. She said, You're my best buddy on the earth. And I love it. Well, that's so I love shit. to be in your seventies yeah. and y'all making good lists. Yeah. Record of so rights. I, I read that, you know. <laughs> she, did you see my note? I said, I read it. She I went Jerry Maguire on you there. That's yeah. pretty good, Dad. I'm impressed. I think the reason she always sends you letters is because that's how God communicated. And she knows that got your attention yeah. when you were twenty eight. Yeah, and she's like, I think I'm going to keep this letter theme going because yeah. she does write you a lot of notes. I mean, she I could mean, just say, "Hey, Phil," almost daily. Yeah, yeah, she writes you a little note. If she leaves to go to town. She's got a little assistant that goes with her now. But when they're out there, you know, but she'll leave me a note there, say where she's been, what she's going to get back. But she'll say, "Yeah, I just want to tell you this." She wants you to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that goes to people that there's different ways people communicate the best. And obviously that's a good one for mom. She likes to yeah. write those little notes and that's important. Well, God communicated to us where he, he did, where, the, what he's doing and where he was headed. I've said the Bible is the greatest love letter ever written, you I, know, I, you know, and, and the approach Peter over there that Jace alluded to earlier, uh, when, when it said, it said, uh, let's see, Peter, he pleaded with them. Let's see. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them. So he's, he's. But my point was, he was pleading with them about Jesus. Yeah. He wasn't having some argumentative discussion about the system that they came out yeah. from under. That, Save that yourselves acts- from this corrupt generation. I know he probably raised his voice when he said this because I'm reading it and I'm thinking, oh, Peter was. But that was my point. Paul and Peter, even though they seem to be saying the exact opposite, because he was saying, I wasn't trying to persuade you with wise words, Paul, they were were uniting on the speech was about Jesus. The appeal was about Jesus, despite our mistakes. Plus, and and, and because it it worked out because the fruit came, you know, 3,000. Yeah, pretty good lick, just just right out of the box. Well, I was making the connection that Paul admitted that he was not eloquent, he wasn't persuasive, which a lot of scholars who read this think, well, why is he saying this? I mean, he wrote more letters than. But when you look at what Peter did also in his past, what was his biggest problem? The words coming out of his mouth. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> so, being under control. So trust me, when he was warning and pleading. I feel better about words I say when I read what Peter said. <laughs> 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 that's true. Let's take another break. So in the last two years, uh, if there's nothing else, we've learned that you have to take control of your own health and your own health care because 
man, the follow the science. The science has been all over the map, right? You can't really depend on Big Pharma or the government to protect you and your family. So you have a brand new sponsor we're super excited about. It's called Z-Stack. And they've come up with a specifically formulated immune-boosting supplement, which we all need. I think that's what's helped me because some of the ingredients I've been taking for a long time. You got zinc, you got quercetin, you got vitamin C, you got vitamin D. All really good at providing um, immune help. So these guys are great. Uh, Vladimir Zelenko, who uh, President Trump talked about, is the one who formulated this. It's scientifically formulated. It's kosher and GMP certified. So right here in the USA. So I'm excited because it combines a lot of the supplements I take in one pill, which is really good. Here's what you do. Go to zstacklife.com slash unashamed. Enter the promo code unashamed to get 5% off your first order. Z, the letter Z, stacklife.com slash unashamed. Use the promo code unashamed and bolster that immune system. So, so back to First Corinthians. So he he makes the case in one and two. And so the way I see chapter three, when you you know as a speaker, Jace, we were trained. You tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. That's kind of the idea of an introduction, yeah. a meat of a sermon. And maybe that's where I went wrong. I forgot they told me that. Yeah, that's that was <laughs> homiletics one on one, Jace. You missed it. The- <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that to my yeah, knowledge. Yeah, you were exercising what you said. I could have my eyes open, but I was really asleep. I said, you I've, never tried, I've never tried that, but I, I think- will. I will admit my fault right here. My biggest problem when I went through there, I was young and immature. And when they would say stuff like that, I would be thinking, I'm just going to preach Jesus and him crucified. I'm not listening to this junk. Well, they were trying to help me, but I was immature and arrogant and thinking. You were only 18 years old. Yeah, I was like, you're looking at the trees and you're forgetting the forest. I'm going to just preach Jesus. Well, technically I was right. But the fruits of the spirit, I wasn't very loving and, and joy. I wasn't being patient. I was, I was keeping a record of wrongs. And and, and you were not a, the world's greatest at peacemaker, you know, peace, patience. That was a nice peace. way to say that I was a brawler. It's a brawler. When I'm threatening members of Love the staff. Joy. You don't see a lot of no. seminary brawlers, but that was Jace. I was yeah. like, let's just Love go outside. Joy, peace and yeah. patience and goodness. Jace's favorite verse in the New Testament was give them the right hand of fellowship. I yeah. did use yeah. that. Yeah. And I right. thought, what did he mean by that? <laughs> right. There's a time just to smack somebody. And but say, you hey. finally got your, your sheepskin, the paper that said, you got you're, it. you're ready to go. So so what he does, what me. he does, Jay, is he's, he's building a strong case here. And he, what he does in chapter three, he goes back and he restates his what he's trying to get him. Because he, he mentions their problem again. You say, I follow this one, I follow that one. Anytime you see somebody repeat something in a letter, that means that, okay, here's, remember what we're talking about here. And so he gives three illustrations in chapter three. The first one he starts with in verse one, because a good speaker illustrates. I mean, that's how you really get your points across. Jesus was the best there ever was. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly mere infants in Christ. There's his first illustration. You're acting like babies. Yeah. Is what he says. Uh, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. And then he he says here, you're still worldly. He mentions three times about their worldliness. Yep. 
which Jay's, you made the point before when somebody when one of the boy, writers that can, says that wilderness can creep in. Uh, what are you talking about? So he says it three times that they're worldly, and then he says two other times you're acting like mere men mm. or mere humans. So that was his first illustration: is you're you're like babies, but I'm still trying to address you. And I always feel like when we read something like that, you know, First John two fifteen through seventeen gives a great definition of what it means to be worldly, which it says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, there was a lot of cravings and craving fulfillment going on yeah. at mm-hmm. Corinth. They were famous for the Corinthian sickness. Yeah, The lust of his eyes, I see where we're going with this. The NFL is on its way with it. And the, <laughs> nothing is done without boobs flying. <laughs> you know what? I that that I'm is trying to watch true. a football game. Yeah, I'd never really noticed because they just put it in a second. But you kept saying that, and yeah. the last football game, I was like, "Feels right." They they do show that. <laughs> they cut oh. a lot to the girls. Yeah, yeah. they cut a All lot. Right. So you were right on that. And look, and the boasting <laughs> of what he has and does. So he gave you three definitions of worldly behavior which when you think about what was going on there, now a lot of this was in the name of religion. They were boasting about the, the God gave them these special gifts, and they were like, they turned that into world, worldliness, saying, look at what I can do. Yep. But wherever we go, those three things are always going to be a temptation, whether you're in the church or outside of it. I mean, would you agree? There's always going to be cravings to do something ungodly or to be have some kind of false fame yep. that you think, oh, this is going to bring me success. This is, especially in the social media world, right. we're like, I mean, there are literally people getting up every day seeing how many people like them, yeah. and they feel good about it. That's what Dan told me. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, and if three people unfollow them, they're like, what has happened? Dan said, I've there, done something whole, wrong. There's a whole group that are just wanting people to know that they're somebody. Oh, yeah. It's all about the likes and the recognition. Well, and it's about money. You know, I saw something the other day on uh, about TikTok. I mean, there are there was two girls that just get up every day and dance, and the little segment I saw wasn't really in a suggestive way. They just do goofy dances. And they they threw a number, I want to say 20 million. They made $20 million. Millions per year. $20 million just from people watching them do these little dances. So, I mean, how do you think they're feeling? And they wonder Pretty why good and, right and now. And they wonder why I don't fool with the cell phone. <laughs> so, so to relate that to what we're talking about in the text, he says that's not growing. And, and think about it. If a person, like you're hoping a person can get a job and make an impact on society, and if they're sitting around watching TikTok videos of these two people dancing all day, how far is that going to extend your growth as a human being? That, <laughs> well, that, and what happens that, that's to like them? That's like the ultimate when, base of nothing. Look, what happens to them when people stop watching or they get older or they spend you all the they're money? Doing, they're going to start souping up the dance. Well, right. But at some point, guess what? The music's going to stop. That's right. And that's why this is all just driving off a cliff. That's right. All right, so let's take another break. So he goes from that into the second illustration, which makes sense. They make sense. You're not growing. You're acting like babies. You're being worldly. Then he compares them to a plant, actually a field. He says in verse 6, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. 
So he's saying that those of us who you're holding us up, we're just helping the plants grow. That's mm-hmm. our only role. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God mm-hmm. who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. And so the idea is he's saying God expects in a transformational process you to grow. And you don't grow by looking at the person who planted the seed in you or watered you and saying that they're a big deal. I'm seeing a common theme. God chose us, and God makes things grow. There you go. Yep. I mean, there, there's a common theme that's happening, and this repeated use of Jesus is your Lord, which is demands humility from us. Men not, can help, but he is explicit, but God makes it grow. God makes it grow. And so then he goes to the third illustration, and I think this is the money illustration, the big one, from from 9 to the end of the chapter, and that is what I'm what I call how to build a temple. Because he says you're God's field, but then he says you're God's building. Oh, I love so that. He's going to shift gears into. So, what does a building of God look like? By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Which but is just a, to your unity theme, though, just think about it. Here, God just said through Paul, we have a building of people from every walk of life who's done every crime under every the color, sun. Every color, every creed, every nationality, all You that. want unity today? Here's your path. He literally made an illustration where, like, God makes things. We're like a big plowed up field yep. with things growing in it. And, I mean, when you look at the field, what do you see? Corn. Yeah. Corn is corn. Well, some stalks are bigger, some are smaller, some That's are right. greener, some are yellow. Some are more full, yeah. some are less. I mean, and then you have a building of people. That's why I get so upset a couple podcasts ago when I was talking about, you know, let's go to the building or or the house or the temple to meet God. Because I want to just say, we are the building. <laughs> we're moving together, even though we're individuals, as a building of God on planet earth. That's right. Housed by the Holy Spirit. So, and Jesus is the foundation. And then Paul says, we're building on top of that with people, yep. not with stone, with people. In fact, Peter would, would use the same illustration. He would say, you're like living stones yeah. being built on top of one another. Now, what's interesting is two things. One is he says, be careful how you build it. Then he gives a whole list of things that people use to build, gold, straw. He says, look, when the fire comes, when you're tested, yeah. that, that'll get swept away. That's why if you put all your thing in a building, like I remember down south of here about an hour, they had just built this beautiful new big Baptist church down there. And every time I'd go down south, I'd see it. I'd think, yeah, that's a nice Baptist church. And then one night it burned down. Well, they were devastated, which I understand. That was your place you met. But I thought, well, that's what happens to stone and brick and mortar. It, it, one day it either falls in or it burns up. One, you know big, one, one big wind come by and it's gone. Or you know a bulldozer takes it down, but it doesn't change who the church is. That's right. You know what's weird is I go metal detecting mainly in plowed up fields where there used to be buildings. And I'll see little pieces of brick, little pieces of glass. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, there's the sign. 
And I'm out there. Oh, somebody lost a silver coin. (laughs) And I find it. But I'm out in the field where a building used to be. And look, and everyone has completely forgotten about that field except me. And I'm like, if you put your faith and trust in whatever was built here, it is literally down to just because through the years, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and then look meanwhile they're done because i'm not planting or watering i'm right after they dump the chicken fertilizer out in the field (laughs) they won't let me hunt once the stalks come up because they don't want me to disturb the corn you know but they're like yeah we just dumped about 118 wheeler loads (laughs) full of chicken crap go have at it find your gold out in the middle of that field that brings it up that's the fire of testing right there jason i've never thought about it you're actually in metal detecting both these illustrations are right there at the forefront. They're yep. right there. Because you got a field where yeah. things grow, but also if you're going to find anything, you've got to be where a structure once was or there weren't any people there. Exactly. I'm look, we call it trash. You find the trash, which is specks of all this stuff that he just listed. But I mean, look, I'm not putting my faith and trust in the structure because I'm going where they were and there is literally. It just goes back to what it once was eventually. So he says, Jason, you're going to love this. It's not just any old building. He says in verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? This is huge because they're up until now, everybody had been about temple worship, either the temple Big of Aphrodite, of Big that's right, whether it was Aphrodite or the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, everybody understood temples yep. and why you went there. But he says, now you are that temple and God's spirit lives in you, which by the way, that's what makes the temple holy mm-hmm. is because the Holy Spirit's living in it. Well, look, Al, that's why I told them when they came to me about this show, they were like, oh, you know, mate, trying, they kept thinking about what we we're going to find. I said, now, they didn't know where I got this from, and it definitely wasn't my own mindset. But I said, always remember this. When we're out here in forgotten land trying to find things that are lost, it's about those fellows that I'm with. It, it, it's this That camaraderie, this yeah. is something fun we do. And, yeah, we're finding lost value and treasure. And you find many illustrations where, and you know, Luke 15 is the most famous one, for God illustrated his search for humans as a woman losing a coin and searching all night till she found it. I said, that's what I'm getting my inspiration for. But this camaraderie, these guys that are alive and well, we're not putting our, we're not looking over here and say, Ooh, I found this. What do you, you know, what about you? This is something fun that we're sharing together because the guys I'm with are part of a greater temple that can't be destroyed. Right. We're bound by the love of Jesus, you know, and the Holy Spirit of God. So they were just dumbfounded looking at me, which I think whatever the name that it may be called will illustrate that principle <laughs> I shared with. That's exactly right. So, so, so my takeaway at the end of my sermon, because at the end you always got to have a takeaway. So I use what Paul said in 1 Corinthians three eighteen through 23. He had four thoughts. One, don't deceive yourself, he said, which is really interesting how easy it is for us to deceive ourselves by not Mm -hmm. doing what he called us to do. Then he said, if you think you are wise, become a fool. You think about that one. If you think you're a big deal, Paul said the best thing you can do is just become a fool. Well, as it relates and to it's who's so, running this it's show. It's become exactly. a fool so that he may become wise. That's right. Because let's face it. <laughs> well, explain Jace, that, you Al. said this before. Yeah. Who, who in their right mind would follow 
you know, by worldly wisdom, would follow someone who said they triumph by surrendering themselves to death in the worst possible way. I mean, right off the bat, messages across, that's why it's foolish just to most people. are like, well, how do you win if you surrender? But surrender is the first step to understanding true wisdom yep. because we surrender to Christ. So when we submit ourselves to Christ, and then think about how, how crazy it is from a human perspective that someone says you can be born again and... They, they're like you, they're like. How does that work? You walk them. <laughs> you watch them walk into a pool of water, and someone grabs them and dunks them under the water. You think so? That makes you invincible. That well, gives you triumph. Well, deep down, you know what I've learned over the years. We all have a little Nicodemus inside of ourselves, <laughs> exactly, because we say, "Now do what now?" <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. So the third one is: don't look to humanity; look to Jesus, because he says that repeats that again. Then I love the last one. This is a good, perfect one in this segment. All things are yours whether leaders, the world, life, death, the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. In the end of the day, it's Powerful. all it's all ours. I mean, everything. Everything. So if you're a co-heir of the universe, why am I worried about running around here for some coin yeah. purse material? It kind of it it, it kind of is a lot like that Romans 8 talking about the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. All right, so here's what we got. We got the, the, for today, for the first time, we've got some bonus, unashamed content coming. And I'm going to tell you what it is because, you know, one of the things that we didn't get a chance to get to that I really want to talk about, Jace alluded to it very early in the podcast. How do you find unity and how does finding unity among the people of God help to find unity in, the, in our culture? Because everybody is striving for it and seeking for it, but how does that happen? So we want to talk about that. Uh, one more time before we go, if you want to subscribe, go to blazetv.com slash unashamed. If you use more unashamed, you're going to get $15 off by February 7th, your one-year subscription. So if you want to hear the bonus parts, now's the time to go do that so you can hear the uh, unashamed OT. So let's take a break, and then we'll come back with that. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.